Please open to Luke chapter 12. Okay, Luke chapter 12. We're, we're going to be reading 13 down through 30. It looks like 33. All right, here we go. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for yourself for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If you then are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is a tough word this morning. Let's pray and see if the Lord will bless us. Father God, we do ask your blessing for this word this morning, Lord. It is a hard word for us to hear. Our culture tells us 180 degrees out of this word. It's exactly opposite what we hear with every commercial and everything that we see on TV. Our culture bombards us with the message that is exactly opposite of this, Lord. And it would be easy for us to close our ears to this word. So that's why we're going to beg you this morning for your Holy Spirit and for a blessing to open our ears, to open our hearts, to receive your word. And, Lord, we want to pray a blessing on Pastor Steve as he preaches the word, Lord God. May he be bold and clear in his preaching. Again, bless your church with your spirit so that we might hear and do your word. Amen. Thank you, Rob. Did somebody leave this for me? I get the weirdest presents. Just gonna put that right there. I don't know what that is. 
It's not Notre Dame or, or Ohio State paraphernalia, so I'll accept it, whatever it is. We moved to Indiana in uh, 2015. Before that, we lived in Massachusetts. And people tell me, what's the difference between Massachusetts and Indiana? And I just like, there's no, there's no similarity. Everything is different. It's, it's, a, it's completely different. Um, and one of the ways that it was different, especially from where we lived in Massachusetts, is we, we lived, oh, about 20, 30 minutes south of Boston in a, in a really, really tough town. Um, uh, and we lived just a, it was a, a tough, tough town, and we lived in a tough neighborhood. We chose that neighborhood in that town because that's where we wanted to plant a church. We wanted to do ministry. We wanted to start a church in that neighborhood. And so we went there and it was, we knew what we were getting ourselves into, but it was, it was, it was pretty violent. Um, we had, um, within a block of where we lived, we had, uh, we averaged about one murder a year. Um, not my family, not, uh, just, uh, no, our, uh, our, <laughs> I, that could be taken wrong, but we had, but it was, we were always a little bit on edge when we lived there. It was just all, we were always, we, we, I'll say it this way, we were a lot more careful there than we are here. I mean, sometimes I forget to like lock our doors and shut our garage and I, here and I'm just like, eh, it's fine. You know, I just, I just, it, it feels different here. And, and we had a, um, we had a sign on the front of our house in Massachusetts that said, this home is protected by ADT. Now, the home wasn't protected by ADT. All I had was the sign. I don't, I mean, I, I, maybe the owner before us actually, you know, bought the equipment and paid for the service, but I wasn't putting any money into home protection, but I did have that sign, and I liked having that sign. I liked um, thinking that the people who, who saunter by my house and look in the windows and see if there's something they might, because we, our, our people go through our, our van quite often, um, and we had stuff stolen out of our church, and uh, the people who lived in us lived in, in the house before, um, well, the one who wasn't in prison, the, the uh, they had put a bunch of barbed wire in the backyard, um, and so um, I liked the idea of if someone looked at our house, um, thinking that perhaps we had ADT. Um, that's, but that's as much as I really cared about it. The, the, the greatest, actually, and this is not in the sermon, doesn't really matter, the greatest security we had, like physical home security we had, is we just became very good friends with our neighbors, and our neighbors were, um, they were just people that you'd rather have as your friend than as your enemy. Um, and so we had very um, influential people, that liked us. Uh, so that was actually, um, it was it was great. And they were great people um, because they were on our side. And so anyhow, um, but, it, but the, only, the only home security I really had was that sign. This home is protected by ADT. And I lived a lie for five years. So anyhow, um, Jesus here in this passage today is, is being, is, he's just being so, so, um, what is the word? Um, this is just so important to Jesus. He uses this phrase in verse 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. 
he uses a phrase that he doesn't use with most sins. Jesus is taking covetousness very seriously. Jesus wants us to be on guard. And this is way more important than watching out for a home invasion. This is, and he's saying, don't just have the sign up. Actually be on guard. And he uses a phrase here, take care and be on, be on your guard that he doesn't use for a lot of other sins. This is a fascinating, fascinating, um, transition in this story. This is such a weird passage because, because Jesus, um, and we, we heard Colin preached, um, a very, very, very adequate sermon last week. Um, no, he's, he Colin did a great job with, uh, verses one through, I'm just seeing if, you know, anybody's, Still for verse one through twelve, um, and then even the, the the passages before that, Jesus is in the middle talking to this crowd about very important things, like life and death things, like eternity things. Jesus is talking about stuff that's going to impact you not not for the next five minutes or five years, but for the next five hundred years. There's stuff you need to think about right now, Jesus is saying to this crowd, because it's going to impact your eternity. Jesus is talking about the unpardonable sin. Jesus is talking about whether or not He'll acknowledge you before the angels. Jesus is talking about fearing the One who can cast our soul into hell. Jesus is talking about incredibly important things. And look at verse 13. Look at how our text starts. Someone in the crowd said to Him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Wait, wait, what? What? We're talking about heaven and hell? We're talking about eternity? We're talking about whether or not you belong to God? We're talking about watching out for the, for the hypocrites because they are bringing people to hell? Watch out for the Pharisees because they're sending people to hell? We're talking about things that matter for thousands of years and you're like, Jesus, my brother won't give me my money. What is going on right now? Where is your head right now? What's happening? What's happening? Um, <laughs> uh, have you ever done, you, you've done this, right, as a parent, or maybe you're trying to, maybe you're a teacher, uh, you're trying to, to explain something of, of, of importance to a child, and you can tell their mind is just not there at all. And their mind is wrapped up in when they get to eat their candy bar. That's what we have here. That's what, that's what Jesus is dealing with here. Jesus is talking about whether or not you're gonna, I mean, cause this life is a blip in the radar. This, this life is like a dream, Psalm 90 says. Which you know how you, you like, you like wake up and you can't even remember how, like, if, what was real and what wasn't, and, and it, it happened so fast and it was over like that, and, and the Bible says, that's what this life is about. And so Jesus is like, I need to get you ready for eternity, because that's where it's at. Eternity is where it's at. This is a blip on the radar. This is a, this is, this is the grass that, 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 that grows up and then withers and is gone. That's what your life is. And you old people know that, because it's going like this. And it's over. Jesus is like, we gotta get ready for eternity. And this guy's like, my, my brother, give me my money. So this is why Jesus, then, cause then he says, um, 
He says to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? I didn't come to talk about your inheritance. I didn't come. I don't, that, I don't care about that. And then he says to the crowd, though, he says, verse 15, and this is still my introduction, so we're, I mean, we're never, ever getting out of here this morning. Verse 15, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus says, Jesus doesn't just talk to this man who's like not thinking about eternal stuff, not thinking about what's actually happening, not thinking about what Jesus is talking about. He's just thinking about getting a few bucks from his brother. Jesus says, then he says to everybody, we're all in danger of this. We're all in danger of this. We all, we all, you, you, you all care way too much about this physical life. We are all just like this guy in the crowd. Jesus is talking to us in His Word. Every Sunday, we come and we gather around His Word. And it is, it is, it is eternal. It is eternal truth. It is eternal importance. But we are so distracted by this physical life, by the, by the things of this world. We're, we're all, we're, we're so distracted about whether or not we have enough money, enough food, enough clothes and shelter. We're always thinking about our health, our budget, our jobs, whether or not we're going to be able to get what we want out of this life. And the Word of God is talking about all these things that matter forever, and we're just like, I need my, 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 my money, my, I gotta get paid. So Jesus says, be on guard against covetousness. Be on guard against caring too much. Caring too much about the money of this world and what you can get with it. The, the, the needs and the wants and the desires of this world. Be on guard against caring too much. You're all in danger. You're all in danger. So why is this such a big deal to Jesus? Why does He care so much? Jesus, when He says, be on, be on your guard against all covetousness, He doesn't talk that way about hardly any other sin. Why is this one such a big deal? Why, is this, why does Jesus care so much about this? Well, that, now we're coming to the sermon. So you made it through the introduction. We have, we have four reasons in today's verses. Jesus is going to give us four reasons um, why we must be on guard against covetousness. And I've already been made fun of one time today for, for, uh, the fact that I can't, I just, I just am running my mouth. And so I'm just in a, I'm in a mood today to run my mouth. Theoretically, in Sunday school this morning, I was just gonna recap what we talked about last week, and I spent like 20 minutes recapping just one point that I already talked about last week. So you guys, I'm just saying this, you guys are in trouble. But what we're gonna try to do is we're gonna try, because, because the danger of covetousness just hits us in so many different ways, and the Bible speaks to it in so many different ways, we're, what we're going to try to do this morning is just keep it confined just to this passage. I'm going to talk just this passage this morning. And in this passage, there are four reasons why, was, why we must be on guard against covetousness. Number one, first reason, your stuff can't save you. Number one, your stuff can't save you. Jesus tells this great parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. It was a bumper crop. He, I mean, it just, it, his, his, his farm did way better than he was expecting. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, yes. Soul, you have ample goods. You, you're, you're ready for many years. You relax, you eat, you drink, 
you be married. This is awesome. You got your money. You've bought your stuff that you want with it. You are set. This is going to be great. In verse 20, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This man wasn't rich toward God, which means his heart didn't belong to God. He had no interest in loving or serving or trusting God. He had no interest in blessing others with his extra harvest. And as soon as his huge harvest came in, he said, sweet, I'm all set. I'm all set. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life. And God says, actually, no, your, your life is over. He didn't listen to Colin's sermon last week. He didn't, he didn't fear the one who has the authority to cast the soul into hell. The point from this little story is very simple this morning. If you don't belong to God, then you're not safe. You're not safe. I, I don't know how to tell you this this morning, but you don't have enough money. You don't have enough money. You, you are going to come to the place. If Jesus doesn't return, you and I, all of us, we're going to come to the point where our health is going to be so bad that it doesn't, nothing matters. All the money in the world will not be able to incubate us from death. You are going to die. You're going to die. You could get COVID. You could get cancer. You could get double pneumonia. You could have a stroke. You could die in a car accident. You're not safe. You're not. Your money isn't safe. And even if your money was safe, you could never get enough of it to keep you alive. The American economy is not safe. Even if we got the right president ten terms in a row, America isn't safe. We're all going to die. You're welcome. See you next week. And you, this is a terrible sermon, Steve. Well, that's not, it's not any worse than my normal sermons. No, this is, this is actually basically the sermon Jesus preached. There was a guy who thought his life was great. He was rolling along and he didn't have any nagging fears. He didn't have any nagging concerns. He had incubated himself from being worried. He was thinking, you know what? This is, I, I'm good. I'm good. And that night, God said, it's over, buddy. Your time is up. And thinking that some, somehow we can incubate ourselves from death by having enough money or having enough stuff or making enough right decisions, thinking we'll somehow be safe is foolish. This is the first reason why we must absolutely be on guard against covetousness because your stuff can't save you. Now let's go to number two. Number two, and this one, this, this point is way more interesting to us. Alright, for two reasons. This, this point, number two, second reason is worrying can't help you. Worrying can't help you. This is, this is way more interesting to us because this is where it hits you and I. Most, most of us in here. Okay? Most of you, most of us, we probably already believe, at least like intellectually, at least mentally, we probably already believe that our stuff can't save us. We, we know we can't make enough money to, to protect ourselves from going to hell. 
When I, when I, when, you know, we give this story of the rich fool, that's like preaching to the choir here, right? Most of you know that Jesus is your only hope in life and death. Most of you know that. But, Jesus knows that about us too, and so He's gonna talk to us about where, kind of where we live. Because the other thing about us is we're not loaded. Most of us, most of us aren't, you know, like, most of us don't have a ton of disposable income. We probably have more than we realize we have, but we don't have a, a ton. We're not, we're not sitting back and saying, yeah, I'm set. I'm good. I'm good. No matter what, I'm set. I'm good. I got all the money I possibly need. What am I going to do? I'm just going to store my money. I'm going to buy what I want. I'm going to sit back and relax. Um, and I'm untouchable. Most of us aren't thinking in those terms. Most of us are regular people. Most of us are regular people. And most of us are trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Jesus Christ is our only hope in life and death. So, so Jesus is going to talk to, to us now where we live. Because I tell you, this is where we live. This is where we struggle. Verse 22 and he says, he says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So Jesus knows we're not probably going to gloat about all that we have. But we are going to think and obsess and worry way too much about how things might play out. About whether or not, I mean, are, are we're, we're kind of making ends meet now. Are, are we have enough, we have enough money at the end of the month now, but anything could happen. What happens if, if someone gets chronically ill in our family? What happens if, if we get into a car accident? What happens if I lose my job? What happens if this? What happens if that? And, and so we get, we get kind of anxious. We get kind of anxious. Jesus says in verse 24, Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barns. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do a small a thing as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Why are you? Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. He says in verse 27, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will He clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after this thing, these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Jesus says to us, think about the birds and the flowers. They, they have no plan whatsoever. They have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. They don't have an Excel spreadsheet. They've never heard of Dave Ramsey. They don't have a plan. They don't have a plan. God gives them their food and clothes. And they look good. And they eat good. And then they die. 
God cares about them. If God cares about the birds and the flowers, how much more does He care about His children? Here's what Jesus is trying to say to us. If if you belong to God, you will be okay. It's it's very good. It's, It's commanded by Scripture to work hard so that your family is provided for. That's what, I mean, we're commanded to do that in Scripture. That's very good. It's very wise to be careful with our money. That's strongly encouraged in Scripture. What Jesus is saying here, though, is don't worry. Don't live an obsessive life. Don't always try, be trying to guess how things are going to play out. Don't always be thinking uh, uh, about the physical needs of your life. Worry is the the most common way that covetousness and greed show up in the life of the of the of the believer, of the regular person, like you and me, like the just the regular old believer who doesn't have a ton of cash in the bank, who they're they're paying their bills, but they're they're not building bigger barns and gloating. This is the way greed and covetousness shows up. It, it shows up in the, in the things that we worry about. And I'm going to tell you in just in one more point how this can be so devastating to us. But first, a couple of questions that we have to consider. One, Has God actually numbered your days? Has God set an exact date and time when your life on earth is going to be done? Does Scripture teach us that? It does. It does. Scripture teaches us God has set an exact date and time when our life on earth is going to be done. And then the next question, is there anything we can do to change that date and time? And this is a mystery to us. This is a mystery to us, but the, but the answer is no. We, we cannot, by being anxious, by being careful, by making just brilliant decisions, we cannot add a second onto our lives. So sure, we absolutely should work hard, we should be responsible, we should live wisely, but we have to be very careful about who we are emotionally. That we are not so anxious about our health, about making ends meet, about wondering how things are going to play out. Because you will die. If Jesus doesn't come back first, you're going to come to a point, I'm going to come to a point where, where, where my health is so bad that even if I had a ton of money, can't help me. We're going to die. But the, but the thing Jesus wants to remind us here is, if you belong to God, then you'll be okay. There's worse things than death. If you belong to God, you're going to be okay. Because the God of the universe who raised His glorious Son from the dead will also raise from the dead all those who by His grace are trusting in Him. You're going to die. But if you belong to God, you're going to be okay. And between now and then, God is going to take care of you. Your Father knows what you need. He knows what you need better than you do. 
He loves you more than you, more than you love the people in your life that you so desperately want to take care of. He loves them more than you love them. Worrying can't help you. Number three. Third reason we have to be on guard against covetousness. Number three. You're called to a much more meaningful life. You're called to a much more meaningful life. Verses 31-34. through Jesus says, instead... Instead, so turn your back on worry. Turn your back on that. Don't live in this, don't live in this panicky, worry, anxious kind of life. Don't do it. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's what Jesus is saying to us, and this is where it gets very important for us. Think about this with me. What Jesus is saying is you can't do both. This is why covetousness and greed are just so debilitating. They're just, they're, they, they, they render us ineffective. They, they, they tie a hand behind our back. They, they make us, they make us nowhere near, nowhere near the disciple maker, the, the servant of God, the minister, the Christian friend, the encourager that we could be. You can't do both. You can't live in covetousness and and greed and fear and worry. You can't live there and seek the kingdom of God and try to be someone who God uses to advance the gospel. Can't do both. Let's just admit it for a second. I want you to admit this with me in your mind. You don't have to admit it out loud, but you have to. I want you just to just. Just to admit this in your mind with me. Even as Christians, we, we easily, even though we know better on paper, we know better intellectually, emotionally, and then how we actually live our lives, it's, it's easy for us to start to think that if we had enough money, then we would be safe. It's, it's easy for us to fall into that way of thinking. See, see we, we start to think if we had enough money, then our reputation would be safe. And here's what I mean by that. If, if I have enough money where people can tell that I have a, you know, I, I have enough money to be able to pay my bills, to get a nice house, to, to have nice vehicles, to, to, to wear nice clothes, not, not exorbitant, not, not over the top, but it's, but it, but if I have enough money to afford a certain lifestyle, then people will know I'm not a loser. People will know that I'm a competent person. People will know that I have a level of success. People will think that I'm a, a pretty good person. If I have, listen carefully, if I have a certain amount of money, then my reputation will be safe. Now that looks different to all of us, but it is a, it is a nagging temptation. If we, don't, if we don't think through this all the way, we can sort of live in this feelings world where we just sort of feel, not really thinking about it, we can just sort of feel that if we have a certain amount of money, this is actually where credit card debt comes from. It comes from people who don't have 
the money that they would love to have to afford the life that they'd really like to have people think they can afford. And so they, they buy a whole bunch of stuff on credit that they can't afford. Because we, we, and why do we do that kind of stuff? It's because we think that money will keep our reputation safe. We, we think that money will keep our health safe. We, we, we look to money and what it can buy to keep our relationships safe. If I can sink enough money into gifts and into caring for this person, then they won't leave me. Then they'll, then they'll love me. Then my, my kids will come home every Christmas. Then, they, then they'll, they'll, they'll still respect me. I, I, if I have enough money, then my relationships will be safe. My health will be safe. My, my reputation will be safe. This is why Colossians calls covetousness idolatry. Because, because we are looking to money for an abundant life. And you say in your head, I don't do that, Steve. I say in your head, yes, you do. And you say, get out of my head. She's going to have a mental argument with you right now. Jesus just turns to the crowd and says this. He says, this is not just this one guy who's distracted. This is for us. This is for all of us. And it's not just for the idiot fool um, farmer who had a ton of money. It's for, it's for those of us who, you know, we, we're just regular people. Just regular people. Not, not millionaires. Just regular people. This is where we live if we're not careful. This is how we think if we're not careful. And Jesus says, if you live that way you will not be a disciple maker. You will not seek the kingdom of God. You will not use what God has given you for eternal good. You, you can. You can use the resources God has given you, the money God has given you, the time God has given you, the energy and the gifts God has given you for the kingdom. You can seek the kingdom with what you have. Or you can be this person who's always kind of like hoarding, always worried, always holding something back. Always thinking, I can't invest there because what happens if I need that later? I can't put all of my time and energy into that because what if I get sick again? Or, or what if I don't have enough energy? Or what if this? Or what if that? If you're always thinking about people and, and if you're always thinking about people and, and opportunities as if they're assets or liabilities for you. This is where I become a very terrible pastor. Because here's just like some confession. You want to hear some awkward confession from your pastor? Everybody loves that, so let's just do it. Here's where it gets bad for me. When I stop thinking of you people as people with souls, and I start to think about whether or not I can use you for the good of this church. And you say, you would never do that, Steve. You're right. Don't think I would ever do that. But some pastors do. Yeah, some of those bad pastors out there at other churches. I've heard about them. I stay away from them because I don't want them to taint me and my perfectness. <laughs> hey, no, 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 pfing, no, pfing. You can chuckle, but you cannot pff at me. I heard the pff. No, we do this, don't we? We do this with the people in our lives. Are they assets or are they liabilities? Are they going to be somebody who's going to be a blessing to me in the long run, or are they going to be somebody that drains me in some way? Is this going to be a relationship where I serve them, or is this going to be a relationship where they serve me? If we're not careful, we start to all do some ugly thinking, some ugly analysis. We get into some some ways of thinking, some fearful, 
anxious ways of thinking that don't seek the kingdom of God. Jesus says you can't do, you can't do both. So he says, instead, seek the kingdom of God. Don't do that. Do this instead. Go all in on trying to figure out how to be generous with your time and with your gifts and with your money and with your energy for the sake of the kingdom of God. How can I invest in other people for the glory of God? How can I invest in the advance of the gospel? How can I do that? We cannot do that. We cannot do that. We can't even go down that road if we're always thinking about, about our own, whether our needs are going to be met, whether we're going to have enough. Jesus says instead, seek the kingdom of God. You were, you were called to a much more meaningful life. And then finally, number four, uh, and this is a good one. This is, this is one where I'm just going to, I'm just going to read my notes. Because if I go off on this, we could be here for a while. So I'm just going to read my notes. Number four, your father is joyfully generous to you. Verse 32, I almost cried 15 times reading this verse this week. I'm almost going to cry now. Verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. <laughs> okay, I, was, I, I am going to put my notes down and talk. Sorry, I changed my mind right there on the fly. You guys are never getting out of here. There's this guy, right? And he is us. He is the typical human. God, in all of His graciousness, is, is, is giving the kingdom to, to His people. And Jesus is there. And, and, and Jesus has come. And so, and so since Jesus has come, the kingdom of God has come. And, and God is bringing these morons into His family forever. By His grace. He is, he is loving it. God the Father is loving, bringing His people into His family. And here's this guy, and he's just like us. He's like, I need my money. I need my money. And so Jesus says to him, fear not, little flock. Stupid, stupid little sheep. I love you so much, but you are so, so dumb. Fear not. Fear not. Please, please listen to me, little sheep. Little flock, please listen to me, Jesus says. I love you so much. Listen to this. Your Father... It is His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So do you belong to God? Has God saved you by His grace? Have you believed the Gospel? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Is Jesus Christ your only hope in life and death? Has God done that miraculous work in you? Is, is Jesus your only hope to be forgiven of your sins and brought into heaven with God forever when you die? Do you belong to God? And if you don't, if you're not sure, then find me afterwards and we will talk. I will skip that business meeting. I'd much rather talk to you about this. That is not a joke. Come find me. We will talk about the Gospel. If you have any questions, I will try to answer them. If you don't know if you belong to God, then let's, let's figure that out by His grace. Let's figure out what the Gospel means and what it means to, to believe it. And here's the thing. 
If you are saved this morning, then, then you are in the family of God because of God's joyful generosity to you. God has given Jesus Christ to you. God has given all that you need for faith and life and godliness. God has given you His Spirit to seal you unto the day of redemption. God is, is right now getting you a home to be, to be with Him forever. God has been and always will be joyfully generous with you. Now, He may or may not take away your chronic pain. He may or may not ease your financial troubles in this life. I mean, He's absolutely going to take away your chronic pain eventually, but He might just do it through death. He may or may not mend your broken relationships, but no matter what, you can be sure that He is incredibly generous to you. There's dozens of Scripture passages we could read right now, but let's just do this one. 1 Peter 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The inheritance of this world, the, the money of this world, the health of this world, it's all going to fade away. It's all going to fade away. I mean, you can haggle over extra cash right now if you want to, but it's going to be gone. The inheritance that God has given us in Christ will never fade away. This is why Jesus says to us, your life is not found in the clothes, and the food, and the money, and the possessions here on earth. Christ is your life. Let me read to you from Colossians. Because this is why we put covetousness to death. Because we remember that Christ is our life. When It says in Colossians 3, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Stop asking about your money! Stop it! For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died. You have died. You've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are so connected to Christ. You are so in Christ that His death is your death. It pays for all of your sin. And your eternal life is because of Him. Because you are in Him. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put it to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Why is it so important that we guard against covetousness? Because God is so joyfully, over-the-top, generous to us. When Christ, who is our life, appears, we also will appear with Him in glory. This week, you're going to be tempted to look to money and what it can buy to help you feel safe and secure and successful and incubated from worry. You'll be tempted to look to money and possessions for an abundant life. Paul says, now this is covetousness. Don't do that. That's idolatry. 
By God's grace, we can and we must fight against this. We must be on guard against covetousness. Because our stuff cannot save us. Worrying cannot help us. We were called to a much more meaningful life than that. And because our Father is so joyfully generous to us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You are good. I love myself a lot, and You love me more than I love me. I love my wife. I love my family. I love my church. You love them way more than I love them. And You're way better at it. You're just smarter. You know what we need. Help us to believe by Your grace that if we seek Your kingdom, You will give us all that we need. You'll give us all that we need. And when it... When it comes time for... our life to be over here on this earth. We believe, we know Jesus Christ is our only hope in life and death. He will, because His death is ours and His resurrection is ours, He will bring us home to you forever to an inheritance that is that is untouchable it cannot fade it cannot be defiled it cannot perish we know this god but the, i think the reason i yelled so much this morning and i i yelled at a lot of it is i'm yelling at myself god you know i had to i had to repent this week because of because of your word because of the work Your Word did on my heart. I get too anxious. I get too self-centered. I get, I get so much inside my own head that I don't serve others. I don't look to seek Your kingdom. I pray, God, that You would help me. That You would help me to seek Your kingdom first. To believe in the goodness and strength of Jesus. To believe in it. To live like I believe it. I cannot do this apart from Your grace. I only want to do this because of Your generous grace to me in the first place. Please do this work in me. Not only me, I pray that You do this work in all of us, God. We often, all of us, often get distracted by the cares of this life. We often think in foolish, small ways. You want us to think in in kingdom advancing, gospel advancing, eternal ways. Things of eternal importance and we we get so bogged down in the small, temporary things. I pray that more and more and more we would know the goodness, the kindness, the strength of 
Jesus. And, and more and more, we'd want others to know it as well. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.